The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the fifth chapter. Once, while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Garcinet, and the crowds were was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let your nets down for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long, but have caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled the partners in the other two boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who are with him were amazed at the catch of the fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats ashore, they left everything and followed him. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. For three years, I was the year-round program director at Camp Calumet. Part of my responsibility was to host church groups that would come up to the camp. Some were youth retreats, some were family groups, some were senior adult groups. Whatever group that would come up, I would see what they would want to do while they were at camp, and I would make sure that everything would happen as they wanted. One of my favorite things to do was we had these youth weekends where uh, churches would send their youth groups to camp, and we'd have five, six, seven, eight uh, church groups there at a time, 60 to 80 even 90 kids would be there for the weekend. And we'd spend time during the weekend playing games and uh, singing songs and having the groups get to know one another. Uh, but we also would have time for uh, Bible study. One of those weekends was, uh, the theme for that weekend uh, was the gospel lesson that we hear today. I remember that specifically because we played this tag game where we, we gave some of the kids nets. And we said, instead of tagging someone, you throw the nets over them, and so you'd be fishing for people. It was fun to watch. We talked about what it meant to fish for people, how we as Christians are called to share our faith, even with, when we don't know it's going to do any good, even when it can be hard and we feel like... There's no point to do it, or we just want to give up. Sooner or later, what we have to share about our faith will change someone's life. They will hear the gospel, and we will find our nets will be full. In the afternoon during those weekends, we'd um, have some activities that the kids could choose to go to. 
Some of them were outside games, some were inside games, and most of the time on those weekends, I would lead a youth choir. I'd have six to eight kids come, and and we'd practice a song that we would sing during worship the next morning. Remember this particular weekend, because we sang the song, Send Me Jesus. We're singing it as the hymn of the day today. As part of that song, you have a leader who starts and sings, send me Lord. And then everybody else sings, send me Jesus, send me Jesus, send me Jesus, send me Lord. And then you start again, lead me Lord, fill me Lord, send me, lead me, fill me. During the worship service the next day, I used uh, the imagery of being sent and led and fed um, as a young person in school and and what that looks like in their lives and, and how they can use that when they get home from camp. And then during the service, it came to communion. And during communion, I was playing the guitar, leading the songs for the day. And I watched as each youth came up for communion and the adults would come up. And then in the back of the church, there were this group of what looked like mainly girls were kind of huddled around. And it looked like one was pretty upset. And she was crying and, and her friends were trying to comfort her. And I, and I watched as, as everybody kind of finished up communion, the, the pastor of the, of the weekend, he went to go and he went and sat down with the girls for a couple of minutes and, and talked with them. And, and that, the whole time I was t- still just kind of keeping things going with the music as, as I watched what was going on there. And we finished up the rest of the service. And then after the service, we kind of cleaned up a little bit, got ready for lunch. And I talked to the pastor and, I, and, and I, then I talked to the, to the group of kids and I was trying to find out what happened. It, you know, why was this one girl so upset? And I found out. This girl was in eighth grade. And she was there at Calumet for the weekend because one of her friends from the youth group who was part of the church invited her to go. And this girl had, had never really gone to church before. In fact, she was ra- raised in a Buddhist household. And her parents weren't against Christianity. It just wasn't something that they practiced. And her friend said, hey, I'm going to this camp. It's going to go away for the weekend. My church is going. Do you want to come? And since they were friends, she decided to go. And she said the moment that she got to camp, something felt a little different in a good way. She felt welcomed. She felt accepted for who she was. She had fun during the activities. And she was one of the girls that came to the choir. We sang, send me Lord. And she said, just singing those words over and over again, send me, lead me, fill me. She felt something change inside of her. And when it came time for communion and she watched as people went up and received communion and she said she felt conflicted. Because she desperately wanted to go up and to receive communion, but she doesn't know if she was allowed to or not. She didn't know how, what to do with this feeling inside of her. 
It was then that the pastor went back and, and sat down with her and, and talked with her and, and actually gave her communion. She thanked us, and then she went home. And it was always hard at camp because when someone would have an, an experience like that, uh, when someone would have a good time, they, they would go home. And, and for me, as, as one of the program directors, I didn't know what happened. Right? I didn't know if she went back and, and she never went to church again or never went to youth group or if it had an effect at her or not. But about six months later or so, her church had a retreat um, at the camp. This, this church had a retreat at the camp and she wanted to go back up to camp. And she came up and she said she went home and she talked to her parents about her experience. And they said... We're glad you had that experience. You know, if you want to continue to go to church and you, you can find a way to get there, you know, we'll support that. And she eventually became an active member of the youth group in that church. We all have these sort of experiences in, in our life that are good experiences, that may be faith-filled experiences. And it, it, sometimes we don't know what to do with them. That's one of the things that happened to Simon Peter in the gospel lesson today. He had this amazing experience with Jesus. And and the next thing that he did is fall down to his knees. And he said, I am not worthy just to be in your presence. I think about how many experiences like that have happened in this place. Prince of Peace was founded in February of 1961. Since then, these are rough numbers. Since then, we have held approximately 3,500 church services. Almost, I would guess, with all those church services over the years, close to 100,000 people have worshipped in this building. There have been hundreds, probably, uh, weddings and funerals and, and countless uh, numbers of baptisms over the years. And what gives me hope in what seems sometimes like a hopeless world is that because of the presence of this church in this place, lives have been changed. I'm sure there are stories after stories after stories of people who have had better lives because of their experiences here. And I think it's important to remember those, to celebrate those, because we often tend to focus on the bad things that happen around us. And we might look around and we say, well, that's great that we've had that, but... What about now? We say that we don't have enough time for church anymore. We say we don't have enough energy or enough people to do the things that we feel God wants us to do. And it's easy to forget about the wonderful things that God has already done for us. And this is not an unusual problem. You know, Jesus in the gospel lesson is desperate to find some space away from the crowds who keep pressing in on him. 
They have seen what he is able to do. They have seen what he's capable of doing. And they just want to be close to him. To hear his message. To experience his love. So he has Peter take him in a boat a little ways off ashore just to get enough breathing room maybe to collect his thoughts. He turns around, he teaches them. And then he tells Peter to put his nets in the water. Peter, who has been fishing all night, who's ready to go home and get some sleep, who has already cleaned his nets... It tells Jesus, you know, Jesus, we've been doing this all night and we have not had any success. We're not going to have any success. It's a bad day of fishing. I want to go home and go to bed. But what I love about this text is that even in the midst of his doubts, even in the midst of his fears, Peter listens to Jesus's voice. And he follows what Jesus has to say. How many times have we heard the voice of Jesus in our lives? Heard God tell us a particular message and we don't want to hear it. Because he said, God, we have already tried that. We have already done that. And we failed. We don't want to do it again. What Peter does doesn't make any sense. He puts his nets in the water. He knows that he's not going to catch anything. It's not like Jesus went to a particular spot. He was in the same position that Peter was in earlier when he didn't catch anything. But Peter listens, not expecting to catch anything. Nothing had been any different from what they had been doing all night except... Jesus spoke into his life. He does what Jesus says. He listens to his voice. And he catches fish. And I can picture the expression on Peter's face and the other fishermen who are around when they haul in this unexpected catch. So much it starts to sink the boats. They can barely get to shore. And then there's my favorite part of the text. We read this hundreds of times throughout Scripture. Jesus says four very important words. Does anybody know what those words are? Any any guesses? Do not be afraid. We are afraid. In my first story, the, the, the girl who didn't know what to do, she was afraid of what it meant to have this relationship with God. Peter is afraid of the power that Jesus has in his life. We are afraid of what our future might bring us because we're so unsure. Fear can grip and paralyze us. Fear can prevent us from taking actions, actions that God wants us to do in our lives. In the midst of fear, we are called to do bigger things than we can ever imagine doing. Catching people in in life-changing grace of God. 
Peter has no reason to expect the catch that he is about to bring into the boats. Yet Jesus calls him anyway. Jesus chooses to work with us as we put aside all of our doubts and fears, as we change our mindset into something that is amazing, wonderful, and life-giving. What, do, what we may think God wants this small Lutheran church in central Connecticut to do, what can we do that no one else can do? How are we going to explore God's call to us? That's what it means to be a community of faith. To put aside our doubts and fears, our excuses, and to change our mindset to do the marvelous things that God wants us to do. Jesus says, do not be afraid. Jesus calls us to do the things that we don't even imagine are possible. Jesus comes and speaks into our lives And because of the word of God, our lives are changed. Send us, lead us, and feel us. Amen.